Hello and welcome to the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and we got some stuff to talk about as we always do. First off, thank the good Lord above. There is no more online play in the CDL for the remainder of the 2022 season. We have the major this week, and then we have champs. Uh, starts on August 4th, so that is what? Uh, three weeks away. Good God, August is three weeks away. Anyway, I, I, I don't like that revelation. Summer goes way too quick after July 4th. Like, that... Like, I know we can't move July 4th, because that's... And it technically happened on July 2nd, so moving it back two days would change literally nothing, but... Yeah, like... It's July 4th and like July 4th is over and boom, schools are put it schools stores are putting all the back to school crap back out. Now I graduated college three years ago. Back to school no longer affects me, but it's still like a, ugh, ugh. like when I, I was in Walmart the other day and I saw all the back to school stuff set up and I, and I got like, I had like a visceral reaction to it. And I know I'm not alone. I feel like, I don't know if Gen X or boomers ever had that feeling, but based on stuff I see on Twitter, that is definitely a like across the board millennial and like some of the older Gen Z thing. Like we're not in school anymore, but you still have like a visceral <laughs> violent reaction to seeing back to school stuff in stores or the commercials. But anyway, that that is a completely separate topic that uh, would do much better on Twitter. Like I said, glad there is no more online play for the rest of the CDL season. And honestly, online play should be done for good. Both in the CDL and the OWL. Get rid of online play. Just, just scrap it. Like, I know the Overwatch League is bigger. I think it is actually legitimately double the size. It is, I believe Overwatch League is 24 teams. I haven't, I haven't watched OWL in so long. I know they haven't expanded Overwatch League. Uh, where is it? Standings. There's 13 and 7. So there's 20. Okay, so it's not exactly double, but it's pretty darn close. So I know you can you can do, and it's much more globe spanning. You know, you have teams in uh, in what six countries as opposed to four, because the U.S., Canada, England, France for now, and then China and South Korea. Yeah, you have six. You have six countries as opposed to four. You're in the Asian market when COD is just in North America and Europe. So it's easier to do live events and not have as much of a, a travel burden on teams. But there, there's got to be a way to get rid of this online play crap because like you have breaks built into the season anyway. Like, there's three weeks off. 
all year, there has been three weeks in between the major and the next thing. Other than, other than major one to major two, that was literally just a week. I, I don't know why that one was so short, but other than major one to major two, there has been a pretty significant gap of about a month. Cause from the end of the rocker major on April 3rd, it was not until May 5th. And that was pro-am like real actual effects. The standing CDL play didn't come back until May 13th. That's five weeks. And then from the ultra major to the end of the ultra major to the beginning of major four qualifiers was two and a half. So there's been significant breaks. Like you can mess with the schedule and have champs still happen first week of August. And, and that's the thing you wouldn't have as much of a travel burden as the overwatch league, because after this season, you're going to have one team that is not based on the North American continent. And they are in London. So you're not even flying to mainland Europe. Like it's a long flight. It's a five hour flight from the East coast. And I think it, you probably add another three, three and a half hours for a West coast flight. Like for the LA teams, the, the, the LA and the two LA teams and Seattle to, uh, to fly to London would be a significantly longer flight than anyone on the East coast. Like, like uh, subliners or mutineers or ultra or breach the basically the four East coast teams and Atlanta. But for Atlanta, it'd be easy. Like Atlanta airport's a major travel hub as is both New York airports and Boston. Pearson's a freaking joke, but that's, that's on Canada. But like you could have, you could go back to the 2020 scheduling format, but do it, but just do kickoff weekend from 2020 where it is just pre-scheduled games. Make it like the qualifiers and then top four unless top and then, and then top four get to host a major because everyone, everyone gets a couple home stands where teams come to them. And the big thing, much like 2020 teams aren't at every event. All 12 teams don't go to the same event. Like, do it like Overwatch League did started it. Do it with the format Overwatch League started and started with in 2020. It feels for, like forever ago because that that format basically only lasted a month. It lasted a little bit longer because the Overwatch League season started before the COD League season did. But it's it's time to go back to land because. All that to say, we had a long-ass series on Sunday. There were only three games on Sunday. The last game still ended at 11 o'clock. Because all three games went the distance. Two of them were reverse sweeps. And the first one took over four hours. Like, I checked. 
And the YouTube VOD starts right as uh, Veli throws two miles in chance with the sunglasses on and their shirts unbuttoned. Like, as soon as, as soon as Veli throws their miles in chance is about the time that video starts. And it is a four hour and two minute long video. And there is a big long line in the middle that they didn't put any ads in because they knew everyone watching the VOD was just going to skip through it once they realized it was, it was a delay that took over an hour and a half. Stop with online play. Like, it was a problem all weekend. And then that series just got completely ruined because of the fucking delays. Like, that's the thing. London probably would have won. Like, it was close. But I feel like without that, you know, two hour delay, London probably would have won this series. It kind of screwed them over. Because I know they weren't playing from home, so they weren't. And like they weren't playing from home. They were definitely playing from a facility in the U.S. But still, they were playing on absolutely batshit ping compared to what LAG was playing on. Significantly higher. Like if they're playing on 30 and you're playing on 50, that doesn't seem like a lot. But it is a major difference when you are dealing with high level play. Like, that's just, that's just straight up unacceptable. It's time to stop with this online play bullcrap and go back to land for everything. And that way, you can make the majors a bigger deal. Like, if everything is LAN, you can go all out. You can, you will get more money from ticket sales at the homestands so you can go bigger for the majors. And you don't have to reward a really shitty team like Paris, who will become Vegas next year, with a freaking major, just because you want to host an event in Vegas. You can give them multiple homestands and just send all the good teams there. Like, you can have an event in Vegas. First one... Vegas is there because they're obviously host. And then you send Thieves, Optic. It would depend on how many teams you send. Um, Let's say you send six teams to these things, half the league. So Legion would host because they're not going to change their name because uh, they can't be bothered to spend extra money to uh, change their name and design a new logo. Even though Florida fucking Lee has nothing to do with Las Vegas. And their colors suck. But say you send six teams to these events. You, your first Vegas event, you have to blow a spot on Vegas because they are host. Then you send Optic, Thieves, Phase, Rocker, and Seattle. There's your first Vegas homestand. And match up the games however you want. Everyone, It doesn't have to be a balanced number of games. Like, obviously, you'd probably want to give your big teams more. But also, like, 
you don't want to overdo it because everyone has to play the same number of games when it's all said and done. But like they've made weird schedules for the past three years. They can they can figure something out. But there you have a Vegas event that will draw well. Because you've sent the most popular brands, you've sent Optic, you've sent Phase, you've sent Thieves and you sent Rocker. Those are your four most popular teams brand wise. And you know, the four of them are going to go all out to actually make that event worth something because Paris refuses to spend money. And yes, I'm going to continue calling them Paris because they don't deserve the Vegas franchise. So there, there's your first Vegas event. So there, you don't have to reward them with a major. And then let's just assume top four this year is Optic, Phase, London, and Thieves. There's your top four. They get a major to go along with their home stands. And you can go bigger. Like, Esports Arena Arlington, for just the homestand, is just like a normal setup. Then, for the major, you pack that shit out. For the major hosted by Thieves, you put it at the Galen Center. Like, make it a big deal. And you, you don't sell as many tickets for it as you do for Champs, but you put it at the Galen Center. Or, even better... You put it at, you put champs still in LA at Staples. I know it's not called Staples anymore, but, or, okay, that might be a little big. The forum. Like, unless you have a long-term deal to host, because depending on the wording of that contract, you could host a major at Galen Center instead of champs. And then you host champs at the forum because I believe the forum is bigger. Let's see. Galen center in Los Angeles. Galen center in Los Angeles has a listed capacity of 10,258. And that is for basketball. Some of those seats are going to be blocked by the stage for a COD league event. The Kia forum in Inglewood has a listed capacity of 17,505. So, um, yeah. Put an LA hosted major at Galen Center and then have champs at the freaking forum. You want to legitimize yourselves? Host an event at one of like the most iconic venues in the country. The forum. Hinkle Fieldhouse is basically like exclusive for basketball, but that would be pretty freaking lit, even though it's in Indianapolis. Uh, PNC popped off for ALGS this past weekend. Like North Carolina is becoming an esports hub. Host an event in North Carolina. It would do well. Like I know you did franchising and everything, and you want to stay loyal to like your cities that have franchises. But host an event in North Carolina. I promise you it will do numbers. Heck, put a freaking team in Raleigh. 
or Charlotte. Doesn't matter. They're both great cities, says the guy who's never been to either of them. But that is projecting forward to next year. Much like every weekend so far in the major four qualifiers, this weekend made no damn sense. Paris Legion took two teams to five games. Are they good teams? Not necessarily. Did they lose both of them? Yes. But still, they took those teams to a game five. And then they choked. Because they just don't have the talent. How the hell did they 3-0 a control? I, I didn't get to watch that game on Friday. They, they 3-0 to control against Florida. I mean, control sucks. I hope it doesn't come back next year. Like, control really sucks. Control's a bad mode. I'm sorry, I said it. I don't think that's a super hot take among CDL fans to say control is a bad game mode. Not like Dom was any good either, but this was, this weekend made no freaking sense. (laughs) Thieves choked a search against Florida, who just went to five with Paris a day earlier after winning the most insane Berlin hardpoint I have ever seen. Like, that mailroom hold is the stuff of legend. It should have it should have won them the series, but if I recall, yeah, they lost Tuscan. You don't lose that hard. And heck, you don't lose Gav Control, which is supposed to be your specialty. You win the series off that freaking insane hardpoint on Berlin. So yeah, this this week this past weekend made absolutely no freaking sense. They Seattle went to five against against Minnesota, a team who went to five against Paris. So them getting shit on by phase is one of the few things that makes sense. Like last week, Paris sucked. They won they won one map. This weekend they won four. Like they performed better. Now, if you look at the bracket and you see who would be their first round matchup, when the better option, the better option is a team that just three owed them two weeks ago and three owed them in rather convincing fashion. I mean, it's not, outside of Gav Control, it's not a blowout. How long was this, uh, how long was this match? That match took an hour and a half. It's a pretty short match, like, all things considered. It wasn't as dominant as some of the other, like, LA Thieves wins have been. Like, their win over, their win over Boston was shockingly fast. Like their, their win over Boston. That's right. The win over Boston was the dominant one, not the win over Paris, but still like if the better option is the team who just three owed you two weeks ago, like what do you even do? 
Because if thieves win that and they avoid thieves, guess who they get? They get freaking FaZe. A pissed off FaZe in the first round of Losers Bracket? Hell no. Staring down a match with teams they can beat? Like, either Gorillas, Ravens, or Ultra is who would play the winner of that second, that uh, that first elimination round game against Paris. But this is how wild Major 4 has been. The three previous Major winners are all in loser's bracket with freaking Paris. Like Surge, Optic, Gorillas. Your three major winners so far. They're all in loser's bracket. Optic has... Optic doesn't have a much better outlook. Like, sure, the fan... Like, unless they're playing New York, which I don't think is happening. I think Subliners win that match. The the crowd is going to be on their side. I don't know how well Rocker fans are going to travel to New York. The only time Rocker fans would outnumber the Green Wall is in Minnesota. But I'll be curious to see that one because you know, you know Rocker's going to find a way to get some fans out to New York. They're just like that. Like the entirety of version one, like, they had fans watching their Rocket League team in freaking London. They know how to build a fan base. They're going to have fans at this major. It's It sucks that their first two potential matchups are against New York and Optic. And the other option isn't much better if they win, where they're probably going to play Breach. Because Boston fans will outnumber them just by virtue of geography. But yeah, this this major is going to make absolutely no freaking sense. And there's also the issue of champs. Where essentially seven teams are competing for four spots. Seven teams are competing for fifth through. Seven teams want those four spots. Like, It's not completely locked up yet, but London and Seattle are pretty secure in their positioning unless they just completely bomb out at the major, which Seattle might like Seattle very well could. Where's what's their, what's their potential losers round match. Yeah. Breach or mutineers. They're, they're winning that. They're, they're probably winning that no matter who they play. So Seattle is Seattle is pretty secure. London is even, I would say, even more secure in their position. It's four through eight that aren't. So Boston, Toronto, both LA teams, Rocker, Florida, and New York. Those are seven teams trying to get four spots. And this weekend was not good for New York. Every single team, New York... York, yeah, New York needed to lose one this weekend. So now they got a big uphill battle 
where they are basically going to have to finish like top three. They're going to have to finish top three and get a little bit of help from the teams ahead of them not performing well, which is a very real possibility for LAG. Like LAG could absolutely. Who's who's there? Oh, got to look at the bracket because they're in losers. Um, Oh, LAG's first match is either London or Toronto. They aren't winning that. Like, no matter who loses and wins up here in in the first game of the day this afternoon. Good lord, the game started at 1.30. Whoever loses that, they're beating LAG. Unless LAG play like they did against London this weekend after the, you know, two-hour delay. That's, uh, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be pretty for, for LAG. I I think they're losing. Like right now I can only, I can only predict these first few matches because after that, God only knows I'm actually going to. Where is it? I'm, I'm going to do my pickums right now, live as I record. Okay. So I have now logged in. Let, let's, let, let's do, let's do my picks right now. I think, ugh, London, Toronto, these teams have both been so inconsistent. London's been better. So let's go three, one London. My heart wants me to pick thieves because I feel like it would be a good storyline to avenge that loss from way back in March, which kind of started thieves downward spiral to not be good anymore. But I, I don't think they win this against phase phase doesn't choke until late round. Actually, no. I'm going to give that one to thieves because last major last year phase sucked. Like phase absolutely sucked. They got beat and then they got beat again by Seattle. And remember Seattle was bad last year. Seattle was real bad. So I'm actually going to give that one to thieves, but it's three, two because thieves have learned how to play search. And Atlanta is only good online. Like they are only truly good online. Uh, let's see this other, the other two winners games, um, New York with the home crowd advantage, they sweep rocker. They've been playing really well. Rocker haven't, uh, same thing with breach. They'll have enough of a crowd that makes the trek down to counteract the booze they're going to get from the New York faithful. And I just think they're better than Florida. So three, one to breach in that one. Elimination one, uh, Toronto versus LAG. That is an easy three Oh win for Toronto and an easy three Oh win for phase over Paris. Cause much like in March madness, you got to pick upsets, but it is not, it is not time for an up phase is not losing to Paris. 
If they lose in Thieves to five, they are sweeping Paris. Uh, Rocker versus Optic. That's that's a three one to Optic. Surge Mutineers. I got to give this one to Surge because they came out of nowhere. They kind of came out of nowhere at the Toronto Major. And I think they'll do the same thing again. Uh, Toronto versus FaZe. This is where I have FaZe going out. Toronto 3-1. Optic 3-1 over Seattle. Yeah. Uh, Thieves. They get they get they get a actually convincing win over London, spurred on by the the big win over FaZe in the first round. Uh NYSL versus Boston. This match is going to be awesome. Just because this is two good teams who are both fighting hard for spots at champs. Boston's a little more secure than New York is because they've been more consistently good this year. This one is going to the wire. But it is a it is a three two win for the New York Subliners. Thanks mostly to the home crowd cheering them on, and much to the joy of the New York fan base, Toronto will send Boston home three to one in losers round three. Uh, Optic versus London in the other uh, losers semis match. I'm also going to give this one to Optic. London's been really good, but actually no, I'm giving this one to London because I think uh, I think they are playing better than Optic right now. Uh, elimination round four. Again, this one goes to London. This one goes to London in three-one fashion because I think they are better than Toronto right now. And Insight's very passive play is going to come back to bite Toronto in the ass again. LA Thieves versus New York Subliners. I hate to bet against my own team here, but I think this is the first time since the Optic Major that a home team is going to do really well at their own event. So this is a unfortunately 3-1 win for NYSL. And... I hate to do it to them, but making it this far will pretty much secure them a champ spot. So I don't think Thieves win this. I think they lose to London. And I think they lose 3-2. Because London, right now, are better than them. And then you get the finals. New York Subliners taking on London Royal Ravens. This one goes 5-3 to the New York Subliners. Yeah, I have New York winning their own event. Not FaZe, not Optic. I have I have New York winning their own event. I don't think FaZe are the unkillable titans everyone portrays them to be. And yeah, they've made they've made grand finals every single tournament so far. Not New York, baby. Mm-mm. Like, because they've had vocal-ish fan bases. At every event that wasn't the first one. But in New York, that ain't happening. New York is closer to multiple other cities. Optic and 100 Thieves fans are everywhere. And I think Rocker is actually going to... I think Rocker is actually going to show up pretty hard for this major. Because 
Toronto is getting to Canada. Honestly, right now is harder than getting to New York from Minnesota just because of the absolute pain in the ass crossing the border is. So yeah, there's my picks. I got, I got New York winning the whole thing over London in an eight game set. And that is, I am locking that in. I am probably going to be very wrong and going to have to burn the, burn these, this digital file somehow shortly after the games start this afternoon. If you're listening on the day this comes out, if, if these pick survive day one, I will be happy. Cause I haven't had a bracket survive day one of March madness in like four years, possibly even longer. So if this pick survives day one, I will be so happy, but that's what I got for the call of duty league. Up next, we'll uh, get into, honestly, one of my favorite shows running right now and the emotional gut punch that was this last episode. We'll talk about players up next here on the mashup. All right, let's, uh, it's weird to do show recaps in the middle of the show. I don't normally do that. I normally do it at the beginning or at the end, but it's summer. There's not a whole lot to talk about for the next, um, God, like a couple of weeks. It's basically like six weeks before college football starts. So we've got some time to, to kill. We've got some time to kill with, with show content. Uh, now that nothing else is happening, I am going to try to remember to start watching league again. So we can talk about like actual league stuff on the show. Not just, an admittedly very good Paramount series that is about a League of Legends team and and their players. But, hence the name of the show, Players. But, th- this episode was where, um, what I am now calling the American Vandal shoe. Because, if you've watched American Vandal, specifically season two, you know what I'm talking about. Like, American Vandal Season 2 was a goofy-ass show. And they played it straight, which made it so much funnier. Like, like the premise of Season 2 is that this rich kid school up outside of Seattle, someone snuck laxatives into the lemonade in the cafeteria and the results you would expect from an entire high school drinking laxatives at lunch resulted. And for most of the season, it was pretty funny. Like the bad guy's name was the turd burglar and the same freaking thing is happening with players. The first six episodes were pretty funny. It was like a goofy, overly satirized, but still very well-researched look at, like, what the LCS is like. Like, you had these goofy-ass teams that started that were just, like, guys playing league together and having fun and realizing they were really freaking good at it and, like, forming the LCS. And you had, like, 
them doing hot sauce shots and drinking a lot of Patron and, and just generally like goofing off. And like the main character's gamer tag originally being nut milk and, and having to change it to cream cheese because the league told him to like, it was all very goofy. And then episode seven hit like a smack to the face and a punch to the balls at the same time. Like episode seven hit me like a truck. Like my God. Episode seven hit me like a freaking truck. It was a very good episode. But I got off I got off explaining why it's called the American Vandal Shoe. The American Vandal Shoe dropping is basically when a series like this is a much older thing. Like this has happened in older comedies. Like this happened in Scrubs. Uh, I believe there were moments like this in How I Met Your Mother. Like there have been moments like this in cop. Heck, the there was th- this is a throwback. There was one in Zoe one hundred and one. For for my fellow for my fellow like that weird generation of like younger millennial older Gen Z, you guys know exactly which episode of Zoe one hundred and one I'm talking about, right? Like Chase was working his ass off on that stupid essay and just and like it coincided with his birthday. And like they, they, Zoe threw him a big party and he, he just wasn't going to show up and she was going to surprise him with his grandmother being there. And then his grandmother died. And that episode was just like, like it was funny the entire time. And then at the very end, uh, Michael tells Zoe that, Chase's grandmother died and he's just like sitting out in the rain. Like, Oh my God, this episode wasn't that intense, but it was freaking close. Cause at the beginning it, it kicks off like, like a mostly normal episode of, of players. Like, and it, it starts out a little down. Cause you find out like these faceless corporate Let's call them douchebags because they're clearly portrayed as villains, even though we've never seen a face. Uh, Blue Wind Capital outbid the uh, the rich girl with dead parents, Julie, who got introduced last week, which is a shame because I did like that the chemistry between her and Cream Cheese. I thought that would have been an interesting storyline, but um, it seems like that was a red herring because in this episode... Like we find out Julie got outbid. She couldn't match because she's just she's just one person. And Blue Wing Capital is an investment group and quite possibly a front for something. Like that's been implied that they're just a shell corporation. But they bought Fugitive and the entire team, especially Cream Cheese, was super pissed. But then they they go into playoffs. A game they probably should win just based on like what we've seen of them in previous episodes. And and Cream tweets out, hey, let's get this over with. I want to make it to my high school reunion tonight. 
which they do. They they win in dominant fashion. They they 3-0 sweep. He's got time to get to the party. But in between that, it's talking about like him and his high school girlfriend Morgan. And like what they were what their relationship was like in high school, why they had to split up when their lives were like following diverging paths. Like he started to invest more and more into the, the pro play thing. And she went off to college and like they split. And then a few years later, they reconnected at PAX. They, and, and she got it. And like it clicked with her and they got back together for at least a little while. And like, he was really happy. And she was going to like, he thought she was going to be at the reunion. No one there was really like vibing with him at all. Like no one really understood what he did. They were all like starting families and had like traditional jobs. And everyone was really excited for the guy who just lost like 150 pounds. Like, and no one was really like, and no one really understood what he did. And like, as a guy who is like my 10 year reunion, like, that's the thing. I'm still friends with a lot of people, a lot of the people I graduated with but not all of them. And like my 10 year reunion is less than a year away. Like I graduated in May of 2013. It is July of 2022. I have 10 months until that anniversary hits. So like, I get it. I I super get it. I obviously haven't had as much success as the character of cream cheese has had that man like him just like, like trying to impress his high school friends and kind of being a douchebag about it just because he's like trying so hard. Like none of them remembered who he is because, because he was a nerd. Like he was a nerd. Heck, they even described that Morgan was a nerd too. Like, like I get that. Holy crap. I get that. I had a much smaller class. So it was the, the dynamics were a little different, but like this episode hit me like a ton of freaking bricks because very little of it was actually about league of legends. Like it was about these characters that I do like. And it's like, and it, it's, a topic that hits very close to home for me right now, like the, what the fucks of your late twenties, like after 25, just like the, like the, what the fucks of my life? Like what, like, what is my life? What, what am I supposed to be? Like, I I don't normally get philosophical on this show, but I'm talking about an episode of a TV show that I do discuss on here that made me like have these emotions. Like, oh my God. Like, I'm kind of entering the next stage of things. And what does that mean? Like, it'll still hit 
for everyone because it's super emotional, but for people like younger than me and maybe for people older than me, because it's just such a different experience. Like people born between, I would say, 93 and 98 have like such a unique perspective on literally everything. Because it's such a weird time. Like, you're sandwiched in between two very different generations, and you're kind of the bridge between them. But you're not really like either of them. It's a very unique experience. And, like, this episode captured every second of that. Holy crap. And, like, the very end where where he called Morgan and was, like, asking if she was going to be there, but it was too late. And and then him going back to the fugitive house and doing the callback to the Toblerone thing. Like, like in high school, he would just get her a Toblerone all the time, which is a really freaking expensive piece of chocolate. Like three bucks for one of those. They're big. But they're three dollars. And when you're in high school, that's a big deal. Buying your girlfriend a freaking three dollar chocolate bar every day. And like he had one and he had one and he was just waiting to give it to her at the reunion. Like, mm. I don't know why that hit me so hard, but it did like, holy crap. And like he, he gets back to the fugitive house and of course, organisms just up grinding because that's all he really does. Like that's his thing. He, he just, he just puts his head down and grinds his ass off. Like, and that's, part of the conflict of the season is him being very different from cream cheese and like you're saying, Hey, you want to play one? And, and he just says, Hey, you want this? And he's, it's very clear what he's holding because that, that shape is pretty distinctive. There's only one triangular piece of candy out there that is also that size. Like him saying that, and then the episode ending, like that was, that was the end of American Vandal season two. Like, where like the message of American Vandal season two was just like, hey, social media kind of sucks. Like, if you really get down and think about it, like, social media is not healthy for us. Like, it's done plenty of good things, but it's done a crap ton of bad too. And, I don't think players is necessarily going that route. It's more just like players is more just like, what do we, I don't even know what players is trying to say. Cause they've got three more episodes and I have a feeling it's it. Those next three are going to be probably similarly painful unless like, they make it to worlds and which is a very, is honestly a pretty real possibility. It seems like that's their trajectory. They're following, like they're going to go to worlds as, as one of the North American teams. I don't know how the heck they're going to shoot worlds, but they will figure it out. And I I don't know where they're going to go with this. Knowing these guys, it's probably going to be like a kind of bittersweet ending because that's how both seasons of American Vandal ended. Like they had kind of like a very bittersweet ending. 
like a lot of the main, especially in season two, a lot of more so in season two, like a lot of the main characters got happy endings, but it still felt like, like, why did it have to be this way? I feel like players is going to be pretty similar. Like people are going to get their happy endings, but it's still going to hurt. At least that's my prediction. But uh, that's what I got for talking about a show I have really enjoyed. Like this, this like completely cleansed my palate when it came to Paramount shows after the disaster that was the Halo finale. Like I have slightly more faith in Paramount to do a good show now. Even though it's mostly thanks to the American American Vandal guys being in charge of this, like it's still on Paramount. Like they can have good content on that platform. Like it's not as good as HBO Max or Disney Plus, but it it's good enough. Like this completely cleansed my palate after the Halo disaster. So hopefully hopefully this trend continues. Like I want them to make more shows like this. But do it like American Vandal. Do an anthology series where you don't follow Fugitive every year. Like, it doesn't even have to be another league team. Just, like, go into a different game and follow someone else. Follow another fictional team in a different game with, like, different struggles. I know I said that last week, but I really want that. Because this has been an incredible show so far. And I feel like it will stick the landing, unlike Halo. But what do you guys think? If you're watching players, let me know. Let me know on Twitter. Jump in the Discord. Like, I, I want to know what other people think about it, especially people who don't really watch League, but have still, like, jumped into this show. What do you guys think? Let me know on Twitter. Link will be in the show description. But that's it for players. Up next, we'll uh, get into some NHL free agency stuff and then uh, wrap up the show. It's coming up next here on The Mashup. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Final segment of the show. Let's uh, let's talk some hockey. Free agency did, in fact, open up and kick off today. I miss it being on July 1st because that, that felt like a, a very fun tradition. Like, oh, yeah, it's Canada Day and also hockey free agency. But so far, the big, the big thing that uh well this one this one's actually relatively recent the Kraken the Kraken signed Burakovsky which um it's a good pickup for them they could uh they could use the scoring depth now he had a career year last year like last year was a very good year for Burakovsky but that number would have led the Kraken so uh he he is even if he doesn't perform to that level next season he is a considerable upgrade to their scoring ability. But the big three is Darcy Kemper. <coughs> Evgeny Malkin. Not like that's a big signing now. It's just interesting. And a big one for me, Claude Giroux. And he was going to be one of the hot free agents this offseason anyway. But those are the big three that that I have seen so far. The Lightning locked up a couple of their couple of their guys after the McDonough salary dump. They uh they got eight year extensions. Sergachev, Sorelli, and Cernak all got eight year extensions. Good lord. 
Like that's eight and a half million for Sergachev, eight and a half million a year for Sergachev, six and a quarter for Sorelli, and five point two for Sarnak. Honestly, for the three of them, not terrible. Little little bit of an overpayment because they went on such a run last year, but I don't see anything wrong with wanting to keep your core together and under 10 million a year for your slightly lower down the lineup guys. That That's not going to do. And like, you can probably trade these guys towards the end of their contract. If you're, if you feel like your window is starting to close, like that's, that's not an awful, awful deal. The big one, the, the first big splash is Darcy Kemper. Five year, 26 and a quarter million dollars. So that's, that's what, like 5.2 million a year? Let's see, 26. Let's see, that's uh, 26.25 million. So 26 million, 250,000. Divided by five. Yeah, that's five and a quarter a year. That's 5.25 million a year. For a Stanley Cup winning goaltender? After you had after the Caps had absolutely atrocious goaltending last season. That's honestly not bad. Like it's a decent length given because how old is he? Darcy Kemper. He, I don't think he's, he's 32. That's a little long. That's five years is a little long to give to a, uh, to give to a 32 year old girl goalie, but he did just turn 32. Like he turned 32 during the playoffs. So he, he will be 32 for the entirety of the, the regular season this year. So that's good. He'll be 37 at the end of it. I can't help feel like the Caps window is closing a little bit. Like Ovechkin's getting up there. Backstrom's getting up there. Like that, that core is getting up there in age. I feel like this Kemper contract is them attempting to go on one last run with like the Ovechkin core. They they desperately needed goaltending help. Their their goaltending was atrocious last season. Like their goal their goaltending was absolutely awful. But hey, they made an improvement and so did the Senators. Like the Senators are starting to become an interesting team as terrible as it sounds since their owner died. Like, that's the thing. Like, it sounds terrible, but it's kind of true. Like, what was the guy's name? Eugene Melnick. Like, Eugene Melnick was an absolutely terrible owner. He was cheap. He constantly threatened relocation. Like, I feel like Senators fans 
Like, they didn't want the guy to die. But I feel like people that don't know him and are just fans of the Senators are probably glad he's gone. Because the dude just, like, like I said, he constantly threatened relocation. He threatened relocation during the alumni game when they hosted the uh, the Heritage Classic a couple years ago. Like, there was actually a Heritage Classic for the first time in years. They were hosting, and during the alumni game, which is supposed to be part of, like, a celebration of hockey and the two teams that are competing in this really fun event, like, he was threatening relocation in the middle of that. So I get the feeling Senators fans who don't know him are probably glad he is not the owner anymore. Maybe they would have preferred him to sell, but that was never happening. And uh, as a fan of a team with an aging, bad owner, I get it. Like, I get it. It's it feels like the senators are kind of going to be the inverse flyers. Like their owner dies and then they get better when, uh, with the flyers, once their owner died, they got significantly worse because the soulless corporate entity that owned the rest of the percentage of the team and just took all of it. Um, just kind of ruined the vibes and ruined everything. Yeah, not that, that's not at all what happened to the Flyers. No. God. That, that, that team pisses me off to no end. But, hey, Claude Giroux, I'm happy for him. He will always be one of my favorite players. Like, 28 is going to hang from the rafters of the Wells Fargo Center one day. Like, that that's a guarantee at this point. You know, like, some of the other names up there didn't get to a 1,000 games with the Flyers. Only one of them did. And, you know, Claude Giroux was kind of the uh, the successor to his legacy anyway. Like, 28 is going to be hanging from the roof of the Wells Fargo Center one day. Like, hopefully, shortly after Giroux retires, they do the right thing and retire 28. Don't officially retire it. But you better not give anyone else 28 between now and like five years from now when Claude Giroux retires. Three three to five. Three to five years from now when, when Claude Giroux retires. You better not fucking give anybody else 28. And one of the other big news signings. It's not a big signing anymore because he's very much on the wrong side of his of his prime. The Penguins re-signed Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. <laughs> thank God. Thank God the Penguins are being freaking dumb too. Like, at least I get to watch their window violently slammed shut on their fingers. Like the flyers window is, uh, is long gone. The flyers window closed years ago. 
it, it basically closed right after Ed Snyder died because uh, Comcast didn't know what the hell they were doing running this team, and they still don't. And Dave Scott's a fucking moron. Like, the Flyers window closed about six years ago, and I don't know when it's going to open back up again. But man, wa- watching the Penguins fall down into this pit with us will uh, will, will make it slightly better. <laughs> Not much. Not much at all. But, uh, but slightly. Just watching them rage at Ron Hextall, it it makes me feel a little bit better about how bad the Flyers are, knowing the Penguins will be there soon. And hopefully a miracle occurs and the the rest of the Snyder family, because Ed Snyder has um Ed Snyder has how many children? He has six. Like b- between his between his two wives, the man the man has six children. Like they and as far as I know, all six of them are still alive and they aren't like that old by any means. Cause Jay's still alive. Lindy's still alive. Yeah. All of them, like all of like they have, some of them have their own businesses, but like the Snyder lineage The Snyder lineage is is still around. Uh, Craig is uh Craig's doing his own thing. Craig's the Craig's the head coach of uh of Texas Tech softball. So, good for him. But like Ed Snyder has six living children. <laughs> One of them could and at least a few of them have money. So, and they all got, I would assume they all got at least a cut of his money. So please, Snyder family, like, for the love of God, take your legacy back and save us from these idiots. Because, my God, this team makes me angry. Dave Scott, Ron Hextall, Chuck Fletcher, they all completely ruined this team. Like, a few years ago, when they were both bad, I would have said, oh yeah, I will probably still see the Flyers win a Stanley Cup before I see the Orioles win a World Series. Now, there's zero chance that happens. Like, the Orioles are on track to be at least in contention within, like, two years. The Ravens are still the best of my big four. Like that's there. There's no denying that Sixers are probably still second for now. They're not my favorite. They are, they are firmly in fourth place in terms of my fandom because uh, Josh Harris is also a moron and the front office is completely incompetent 
And they're lucky Joel Embiid turned out to be really good because every other move they made has kind of failed. So I, I, I am very mad at the Flyers right now because they got everyone excited that, oh, they might go get Johnny Gaudreau and actually make this team slightly watchable. But, um, no. Like, oh, they signed, they, they signed, they brought back Justin Braun. Yay. They signed, uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, they signed Nick Delorier to a four-year contract. Woo. It's under two mil a year, but Nick Delorier, really? That's the best you can do. Johnny Gaudreau was right there. Your old captain went home to Ottawa. You couldn't bring Johnny Hockey back. You couldn't have made a move for Johnny Hockey a couple years ago when Giroux was still on the team and we were still kind of contending. Now, you've got no prospects, a crap ton of bad contracts, and the team's going to suck. So congratulations, Comcast. You have... You have completely ruined what was once uh, the best run team in the city of Philadelphia. Because before Ed Snyder died, the Flyers were up there. Because, I mean, look at the mess the Eagles were in in 2016. No one expected them to win a Super Bowl two years later. The Phillies weren't much better. The Sixers were still uh, coming out of the process, but it was it was a lot of suffering. Like, Embiid was finally starting to turn the corner in 2016. But, like, the Flyers were the team that had the most hope six years ago. Then Ed Snyder died, and it all went to shit. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's... that. That's my takeaway from the... That's my true takeaway from the first day of free agency. Um, Dave Scott sucks. And I hope... Someday soon, Comcast Spectacore is forced to sell the Flyers to a more competent owner. It would never happen, but hey, hey, Steve Bishotti, um, you want to buy a hockey team? I, mean, I if buying the Flyers would stop him from buying the Orioles, I, I don't want Steve Bishotti to buy the Flyers, but, and that would never happen, like, the Flyers would never sell to an owner in Baltimore. Like they wouldn't, he wouldn't relocate them. I don't think because Baltimore doesn't have a viable arena for an NHL team anyway. But yeah, the, the Flyers just desperately need a new owner, preferably a member of the Snyder family because like free agency day has just been depressing as a Flyers fan. Cause I know they're still going to suck next year and they're, like, they're going to suck, but they're not even going to be watchable. Like, the Orioles last year were bad, but they were at least fun. The Orioles in 2020, they were bad. They were, well, baseball was just bad in 2020. The Orioles in 2019 were bad. But they at least had some fun with it at first. And now that patience has been rewarded but I, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for the Flyers. <laughs> like, they're just going to stay bad until 
until these bad contracts are done, at which point they will sign more bad contracts. And uh, the cycle continues and they'll, they'll fire Chuck Fletcher and they'll just bring in a new GM who uh, won't know what to do either. And Dave Scott's going to meddle. Yeah. Yeah. I I need to stop talking about this because it's making me sad and angry. So um, in conclusion, uh, congrats to Darcy Kemper and the caps for actually doing something intelligent. Uh, Thank you for being equally dumb, Pittsburgh, and fuck you, Dave Scott. That's what I got for this episode of the Mashup. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, talk to you guys next Wednesday. See you then. To give it all they got. And you never know who's gonna hear the call. Every game does a different start. That's the magic of Oreo baseball. Oreo's magic, feel it happen. Oreo's magic, feel it happen. O R I O L E S. Magic, 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 magic. Something magic happens every time you go. Magic happens.